are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and reflections with me and others who are following along. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 163. And we are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 559 to 564. 559. On leaving Jerusalem, the Magi again found the star, which at their entrance they had lost from view. By its light they were conducted to Bethlehem and to the cave of the Nativity. Diminishing in size, it hovered over the head of the infant Jesus and bathed him in its light whereupon the matter of which it had been composed dissolved and disappeared. Our great queen had already been prepared by the Lord for the coming of the kings. And when she understood that they were approaching the cave, she requested St. Joseph not to leave it, but to stay at her side. This he did, although the sacred text does not mention it. Like many other things passed over in the Gospels, this was not necessary for establishing the truth of the mystery. Nevertheless, it is certain that St. Joseph was present when the kings adored the infant Jesus. The precaution of sending him away was not necessary, for the Magi had already been instructed that the mother of the newborn was a virgin, and that he was the true God and not a son of St. Joseph. Nor would God have permitted them to be led to a cave ignorant of such an important circumstance as his origin, allowing them to adore the child as the son of Joseph and of a mother not a virgin. They were fully instructed as to all these things, and they were deeply impressed by the sacramental character of all these exalted and complicated mysteries. 560. The Heavenly Mother awaited the pious and devout king standing with the child in her arms. Amid the humble and poor surroundings of the cave, in incomparable modesty and beauty, she exhibited at the same time a majesty more than human the light of heaven shining in her countenance. Still more visible was this light in the child, shedding through the cavern effulgent splendor, which made it like a heaven. The three kings of the east entered, and at the first sight of the son and mother, they were, for a considerable space of time, overwhelmed with wonder. They prostrated themselves upon the earth, and in this position they worshipped and adored the infant, acknowledging him as the true God and man, and as the savior of the human race." By the divine power which the sight of him and his presence exerted in their souls, they were filled with new enlightenment. 
they perceived the multitude of angelic spirits who as servants and ministers of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords attended upon him in reverential fear. Hebrews 1.4 Arising, they congratulated there and our queen as mother of the Son of the Eternal Father, and they approached to reverence her on their knees. They sought her hand in order to kiss it, as they were accustomed to do to their queens and their countries. But the most prudent lady withdrew her hand, and offered instead that of the Redeemer of the world, saying, My spirit rejoices in the Lord, and my soul blesses and extols him, because among all the nations he has called and selected you to look upon and behold that which many kings and prophets have in vain desire to see, namely, him who is the eternal incarnate word. Luke 10.24 Let us extol and praise his name on account of the sacraments and mysteries wrought among his people. Let us kiss the earth, which he sanctifies by his real presence. 5.61 At these words of Most Holy Mary, the three kings humiliated themselves anew, adoring the infant Jesus. They acknowledged the great blessing of living in the time when the Son of Justice was arising in order to illumine the darkness, Malachi 4.2. Thereupon they spoke to St. Joseph, congratulating him and extolling his good fortune in being chosen as the spouse of the mother of God. And they expressed wonder and compassion of the great poverty beneath which were hidden the greatest mysteries of heaven and earth. In this intercourse they consumed three hours, and then the kings asked permission of Most Holy Mary to go to the city in order to seek a lodging, as they could find no room for themselves in the cave. Some people had accompanied them, but the Magi alone participated in the light and the grace of this visit. The others took notice merely of what passed exteriorly, and witnessed only the destitute and neglected condition of the mother and her husband. Though wondering at the strange event, they perceived nothing of its mystery. The Magi took leave and departed, while Most Holy Mary and Joseph, being again alone with their child, glorified his majesty with new songs of praise, because his name was beginning to be known and adored among the Gentiles. Psalm 85.9 What else the three wise men did will be related in the following chapter. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 5.62 My daughter, the events recorded in this chapter contain much for the instruction of kings and princes, and for the other faithful, as, for instance, the prompt obedience and humility of the Magi, which men should imitate, and the obdurate wickedness of Herod, which they are to fear and abhor. For each reaped the fruit of his actions. The kings reaped the fruit of justice and other virtues which they practiced, while Herod reaped those of ambition and pride by which he had usurped the government, and of other vices into which he cast himself without restriction or moderation. But let this remark, together with the other teachings of the Holy Church, suffice for those that live in the world. To thyself must thou apply the doctrine contained in what thou hast written, always remembering that all the perfection of a Christian life must be founded upon the Catholic truths, and in the constant and firm acknowledgment of them, as they are taught by holy faith. In order to impress them upon thy heart, thou must profit of all that thou readest or hearest of the divine writings, and of what is contained in the other devout and instructive books concerning the virtues. Thy faith thou must accompany by the practice and abundance of all good works, hoping ever in the visitation and coming of the Most High. 5.63 By such a disposition thy soul will be prepared in the manner I require of thee, 
For I desire that the Almighty find in thee the sweet readiness to adopt whatever is manifested to thee, and to put in practice whatever may be enjoined without any human respect. I promise that if thou follow my counsels thou shouldst, I will be the star and guide on the ways of the Lord, so that thou wilt quickly arrive at the vision and enjoyment of thy God, and of thy highest good in Zion. Psalm 83.8 In this doctrine, and in what happened to the devout kings of the Orient, there is contained a most effective means for the salvation of souls. Yet this is known to few, and heeded by a still smaller number of men. It is this, that the inspirations and enlightenments are usually sent by God to creatures in a certain order. At first, some are sent to incite the soul to practice some of the virtues. If the soul corresponds, the Most High sends other and greater ones in order to move the soul to greater perfection in virtue. And thus, profiting from previous graces, the soul is disposed for still others, receiving ever greater helps and securing an increase of the favors of the Lord, according as it corresponds to them. Thou wilt therefore understand two things. First, how great a damage it is to neglect the exercise of any virtue, and not to practice perfection according to the dictates of the divine inspirations. Secondly, how God would give great assistance to the souls if they would begin to correspond to the smaller ones. Since he is, as it were, in expectation and hope, that they will prepare for his greater ones. Apocalypse 6.20 for he wishes to deal with the soul according to his just judgments. But because they overlook this orderly manner of proceeding in his invitations, he suspends the flow of his divine gifts, and he refuses to the souls what was intended for them, if they had not placed an obstacle allowing them to fail from one abyss to the other. Psalm 41.8 5.64 The Magi and Herod pursued opposite courses. The Magi met the first inspirations and graces by the practice of the good works. Thus, they disposed themselves by many virtues, for being called and drawn by divine revelation to the knowledge of the mysteries of the Incarnation, the birth of the divine word, and the redemption of the human race, and through this to the happiness and perfection of the way of life. But Herod, on the other hand, by his hard-heartedness and neglect of the helps which God offered him for the practice of virtue, was drawn into the abyss of his measureless pride and ambition. These vices hurled him into such vast precipices of cruelty as to be the first among one man to seek the life of the Redeemer of the world under the cloak of simulated devotion and piety. In giving vent to his furious rage, he took away the life of the innocent children and attempted by so foul a measure to advance his damned and perverse undertaking. This concludes our reading today for day number 163. We've been reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 559 to 564. Today, Maria of Agreda brings something out in our readings that is quite important, and I think it puts everything in context that we read here in the mystical city of God. We are reading this work, and in a sense, it's supplemental to that of the Holy Scriptures. We are reading a lot about the different events that we know in the Gospels, but then we also hear extra things. For example, I go back to the visitation and the healings that took place by Our Lady and Jesus as they journeyed to visit the cousin Elizabeth, or the fact that Mary has a great relationship with the birds. These are all what we would say extra
extra canonical. They're not in the sacred scriptures, but we have them here in this book. They provide a great reflection for us. And so today, uh, it says, Our great queen had already been prepared by the Lord for the coming of the kings. And when she understood that they were approaching the cave, she requested St. Joseph not to leave it, but to stay at her side. This he did, although the sacred text does not mention it. Like many other things passed over in the Gospels, this was not necessary for establishing the truth of the mystery. And so we hear that it wasn't necessary for what? For the truth of the mystery, or in other words, these little aspects of the story are not important enough to be included for our salvation. That they're extras. And so now we hear them, and they're beautiful little reminders and things that we can reflect upon, but they weren't necessary for our salvation. Just like the hidden years of Jesus, knowing how he was raised in the home, apparently was not necessary for our salvation. Otherwise, St. Luke, who interviewed Our Lady, would have included it in his gospel to give us an insight into that childhood of Jesus. Once the three kings arrive, they want to honor and venerate the Blessed Virgin Mary and, of course, the Christ child. They customarily kiss the hand of the queen. Mary is the queen of heaven and earth. But she withdraws her hand and instead presents the Christ child. Well, isn't this a beautiful imagery, in a sense, of our Marian devotion? That when we honor Our Lady, it's really an honoring of Christ. That when we honor Our Lady, we're doing so because of who she is and what she did. And she says, well, here is my son. This is why I'm important. And then we heard kind of a similar wording of the Magnificat, kind of tailored to this situation. My spirit rejoices in the Lord, and my soul blesses and extols him. Because among all the nations he has called and selected you to look upon, and behold that which many kings and prophets have in vain desired to see. And it goes on. So if we take that Magnificat of Our Lady that she gave when she visited her cousin Elizabeth, her response to that greeting of Elizabeth, well, she tailors that to different aspects of her life. She rewrites the Magnificat so that she can give praise to God. It is important for us to allow our souls to rejoice in the Lord for the good that he has done for us. And then I found this line quite beautiful. Let us kiss the earth which he sanctifies by his real presence. When we hear those words, real presence, we should immediately, I think, call to mind that of the Holy Eucharist. That the Eucharist is the real presence of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. But that real presence of Christ first came as an infant. And so those who honored him and venerated him the Magi, what do we call their act? We often call it the adoration of the Magi. That they are adoring just as we adore the real presence of Christ. They're adoring him in his flesh. We adore him in the Eucharist, which is his flesh for the life of the world. So let us cultivate an attitude of adoration in response to hearing how these Magi honor the Lord Jesus and respect the Blessed Virgin Mary.
I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.